going for boost over well i think going for boost if you're a boost merchant like someone like aj or someone you go for boost <laughs> One hundred percent of the time. Yes. Always, every second of every game. Ball's going in your net. Don't worry about it. Go get the boost and make sure you've got the full one hundred to celebrate with the other team. Um, boost over ball is when you're is a good time when your opponent is dribbling towards your own corner and you know it has no threat to go into your net at all and your teammate is behind you for sure if, if all of those align it's better to just take your corner boost let him just dribble in the wall for useless and force him to go back with zero that would be a better time to take boost over ball If you've ever wondered when the best time to go boost over ball is, you've come to the right place. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Boost Over Ball podcast. Today we are super excited to bring you another exciting interview, this time with Subi, RLCS commentator, analyst, and interviewer. We had a great conversation about everything Rocket League from his experiences to how he got into esports and we can't wait for you to hear it. But before we jump into that interview, we got a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for all your support for, you know, liking, sharing, rating us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, for interacting with us on Twitter, uh, for joining our Discord, for those of you that did. Um, I wanted to announce that we did, in fact, get press passes for the San Diego Winter Major, so we are thrilled to be able to... Uh, give you guys a look at what that is going to entail and hopefully bring you some player interviews and uh, other you know, content that we wouldn't be able to get otherwise, so we can't thank you enough. We will also be announcing on Twitter a ticket giveaway to the DreamHack to Winter Major, not you know airfare or lodging, but just tickets to the event themselves. If you are interested, stay tuned. Uh, check out our Twitter on that one. And next week will be our Winter Major preview episode where we will talk about our predictions, you know, kind of some storylines going into the Major and all of that stuff. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy. I'll start it off with uh, how did you get involved in esports? Well, it was kind of just uh, dumb luck, to be honest. I uh, started playing Rocket League, and I don't even know how that I found out about the RLCS Um I don't think at that time when there were events going on that it was on like the front page of the game or anything. So I'm not even sure how I, I found out about RLCS, but I started watching it um, season one, thought it was really cool. Um, and I, I think it was after um, the world championships where I was kind of thinking, you know, that's pretty awesome. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, prior to that, I was, I wasn't in to esports. Um, I've been into gaming and competitive gaming my whole life, but as far as esports are concerned, um, I watched a little bit of Counter Strike way back in the day, but that was before it was even a blip on the radar of the biggest map. Like it was nothing back then, so kind of had forgotten about it. Seen the R RLCS and thought, ah, why not? I'm gonna try it. So I hit up a buddy of mine asking if he wanted to commentate with me and he said yeah so i went on reddit 
started scrolling around looking for tournaments that were you know starting out looking for casters um and came across a post on reddit that they were starting up an organization they wanted to run tournaments looking for anyone and everyone so fast forward um you know things were kind of falling through the cracks so i took that organization under my wings and and got us signed up on smash gg to run our first tournament got the broadcast up and running and for the first one i was well the first couple actually i was broadcasting and casting at the same time um oh wow so my buddy came along you know we were like all right cool let's do this not expecting anything we were expecting hopefully like 20 teams show up and i was at work that day um and i'm watching the registration just go up and up and up and up and eventually i had to close registration because we had upwards of i think it was like 128 teams that signed up oh my so god so it got to the point where it was like okay we we gotta stop this or else this tournament's gonna go all night long <laughs> so you know we stopped it and i mean the the nerves of that first broadcast of like okay well i'm gonna do something i've never done before in front of i think we had maybe 100 viewers so it wasn't anything huge but in my mind it's like oh my gosh like 100 strangers i've never done this before so just trying to break out of my shell was one thing but you know after the first hour it was like oh this is this is really cool this is really fun um i enjoy this so it was just something that i looked forward to on saturday nights after i got off work um get online and and talk about this game that i thought was super innovative um super unique uh it was one of those games where i thought you know this is something that can break the through the the ceiling of esports and traditional sports because it's so easy to pick up on and yeah after that first one i just fell in love uh with talking about this game yeah not i i mean it it, it at least to me it shines through in in the commentary and the analysis that you bring on, on the main broadcast now but I mean, it's I, I see where you're coming from. You're like, what? You know, why do 100 people want to listen to what I have to say? You know, who, who am I to? Oh, it's who am it's I to like, like that? Yeah, there's always like that imposter syndrome. Hundred percent. I have that before every broadcast of like, they want me to do this. Like, okay. And then I look around. You know, especially at live events, and I look around and I see absolute goats all around me. You know, I see Shogun. I see Johnny Boy. I see James Bot. Wave Punk leaf you know all these guys that i looked up to for so long um and being able to not only be in the same room as them but also be on the same broadcast broadcast yeah there's there's times where yeah i have some mental struggles where it's like i don't deserve to be here but somehow some way i'm still around yeah i think it was uh callum that that talked about that like uh, around like the time that worlds came out like the this is rocket league and how it's changed his life and you know, kind of the mental, I don't know if struggles is the right word, but the mental, like, hurdles that you have to, like, come to terms with. The fact that, like, you know, you, your voice and your name will always be associated with, like, Rocket League Esports, especially RLCS. Yeah, especially for him. I mean, the most iconic call of all time. And for him, he's he's such a down-to-earth guy. Like, when you, when you hang out and talk with him, He's nothing like his personality online. Like, you would think he's this loud, um, arrogance the wrong word, but just confident guy just walking around knowing he can do anything and everything. And when we hang out, he's just the coolest, calmest, 
most down-to-earth guy completely different than how he is online it's it's kind of bizarre yeah i mean i could see that but like certainly regardless of who you are regardless of what you do on the broadcast the enthusiasm the like how genuine you are and like the ex- the genuine excitement comes through and i think that you know the rlcs broadcast team you especially that's one of the things that you guys do the best like you really are enjoying being there and like i think people need to realize like it's not lost to anyone like that's why the broadcast is so good because everyone I, thoroughly enjoys what they do i appreciate that that means a lot and we all do and i think that's why we've all found success in the scene and also we've found success as a team together you know it's kind of rare from what I've seen. And I don't, like I said before, I never watched esports prior to RLCS and I still don't watch any other esports. Like all I watch is rocket league. And outside of that, it's basketball and UFC. So from what I've heard at least is it's really rare for a talent team to even like one another, let alone, let alone like hang out, get along, do things together. And when we all get together for live events, it's like the boys are back in town. We're getting back together. We all go out to dinner together. We hang out. We go, if there's a pool at the hotel, we're down by the pool together. Um, you know, we go to the, the hotel restaurant and we all take out our notepads. We do notes together. Um, it, it's really a special team that we have. You know, there's no egos. Everyone loves one another. And I think that's what makes us different than all the rest is we actually get along and we actually love this game that we talk about like we want to make it the biggest thing on earth we want to share our passion with the world and show everyone why this game's awesome and you know we all started for the right reasons like none of us were chasing money because at the time there was no money to be had so it was just like no no it's just something we like and somehow we've we've all kind of fallen in the same room together and it's honestly like it's so such a blessing to be around those guys and just have the camaraderie that we all do. Yeah, I mean, you, I, uh, so the World Championships in, in Texas were, were the first uh, live event that I was lucky enough to go to, like for any eSport um, that, so I'm, I'm a collegiate Rocket League coach as well, and I mean, I've been to like a small tournament for the small school that I coach, but, you know, nothing like that. And, you know, they, they show those like, the sh- like the little short videos at intermissions of like you guys hanging out and just seemingly enjoying like just being there and being around the other people and so I was I was always curious you know I mean I assure- I assume that like a lot of them are friends but I-, I didn't know how like what that bond kind of was for you guys oh you know we always for whatever live event it is we'll make like a, a twitter group chat or discord group chat whatever it is for those going and i mean that thing is popping off anytime the broadcast is offline like we're all hey what's the plans for dinner what are we doing now what are we doing now and yeah i don't think there's one person that dislikes another on that crew like we all genuinely like each other it's it's really cool to just have friends that not only share the same passion but have the same kind of goals and values in life it's it's special. I, I can imagine. I, I, I would also think that, you know, potentially the people that are, you know, going to understand what you're going through are the people who are also going through the same things. So I imagine with any, like, mental issues or challenges that you have, there's you always have a group of people to, like, run it by or you oh, know, yeah. to get advice from. Yeah, just having guys to lean on. Um, 
like I can share from the world championships in Texas uh, that Sunday, uh, myself, Colin Stumpy, we were commentating together and we got the schedule and found out we were the opening uh, match of the day. And Colin Stumpy, I mean, two of the greatest guys ever. I love those guys, even though they're British, they're great. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, you know, they said, hey, um, you know, we normally will catch from the desk and we'll open but this is America. This is the world championship. Like you deserve this. You, you do it. And I'll tell you, I started having a panic attack. Normally I'm like, whatever, we're going on no big deal, but I don't know why, but it was like, okay, I can't like, this is championship Sunday. I'm going to be first match of the day. I can't trip over my words. I, and I just started hyperventilating. I was freaking out in the back. And I mean, everybody has gone through that, but those guys, I mean, they truly, truly calm me down. They're like, hey, you know, you're good. Like, hey, drink some water, eat a little food. We're going to be cool. We're right here with you. Like, if anything happens, like, if you stumble at all, we'll be right there to pick you up. So having guys like that that you can lean on that have gone through the same thing so they're not just, you know, talking out of their ass. They know what they're saying. It it truly means a lot. That's awesome. And I, I, I didn't notice. I it, Such a well-put-on event in general. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. But uh, you gotta try to you gotta try and hide those emotions sometimes, the highs and the lows because it can get out of control really quick. Yeah, I mean, I I can so you know I certainly have teams that I like to root for, and I, I assume everybody does, right? How can you not in Rocket League? But, <laughs> no, I'm completely unbiased. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, exactly, exactly. I was <laughs> how do you how do you work to kind of mask the you know your own personal. Uh, like rooting interests versus trying to be a little bit unbiased. I mean, I know it's like you said you watch basketball and, you know, a lot of the ESPN guys who do like the basketball uh, analysis, gen- generally they try to be unbiased. The people who are calling the game don't make picks, you know, stuff like that. But in at the on the RLCS desk, they all make picks. And it's, I think, a, a kind of cool, like you get to see a little bit of the emotion behind it. And some of the picks are emotional based instead of, you know, being unbiased. Right. And, and people want that for a desk desk segment. Um, you know, like, uh, the LA winter major last year, people were just sitting there waiting on pins and needles for teammates to yell out G2. Like you knew <laughs> it was coming and, and you wanted it. Like that's what makes it special. And sure. It annoys some people where they're like, Oh, this guy's biased, but okay. He's a human being at the end of the day. He's just rooting for his team. Like we're all here doing the same thing. But when I, I'm on the mic during a cast during like a, a game. I know that that's not what people want to hear. Like when I'm watching the UFC and they're just talking about this guy the entire time, how great he is. And he's sitting there with two black eyes and a bloody nose. It's like, no, are you watching the same thing I am? So I don't want that to come across when I'm commentating. You know, I don't want people to say, oh, this guy's just a Rettles fanboy. He's going to just root for him and talk about all of his good things and never his bad things. Um, and I think it's good to have those teams or players that you like, um, but you can't just talk about the good. So, like, for Rettles, like, he knows, hey, I've told him, like, hey, you're one of my favorite players. He, he came up the Rival Series. He has worked his butt off to get where he is, still working his butt off. But I think that's what makes – that relationship special is because I can talk about how good he is, but he knows that if I do talk bad, it's not personal. Like this is my job. I've got to do what I got to do. And if you made a mistake, 
I can call it out. And it honestly, it makes it a little easier when you have that relationship with a player or with a team to where they know like, okay, this guy's not just like being a jerk for no reason. You know, he's calling out what I did wrong. You know, it, it's gotta be done. And I don't want the fans to ever think like, oh, this guy, oh, I, I'm gonna mute the stream because he's just gonna root for this team. Like that's that's not my job. My job is to break down the plays, try to explain what happened, why it happened, how it happened. Um, and also, you know, create some exciting moments at the same time. But I never want to make it to where people don't want to watch because they think, oh, this guy's going to root for a team while he's commentating. Yeah, I mean, I, I that makes sense. And I, I can see that, you know, the differences between, like, if you're casting it versus if you're on the desk. But, I mean, some of that emotion, like you said, is un, is awesome to see in, in Rocket League esports because, you know, Love him or hate him, T Bates is a is a G two stand, and you know you can expect that from him, and he'll rile the crowd up with it, and you know he's got some some hot takes, but you know that's why the people that that love him love him. Yeah. So everybody's kind of got their own thing. So I'm I'm glad that it that the broadcast team allows it to shine through the way that they do. Yeah, I mean it's really cool that Psionics allows us to be individuals and let our personalities shine through you know they've never tried to kind of reel us in or, or uh, I guess censor what we say uh, it's it's nice to just be able to go out there be yourself and know that that's what they want yeah I mean it's it's cool to see I mean I don't have a ton of experience watching other like you know esports like COD League or Overwatch League or anything like that but you know it seems to me that the in the Rocket League community from my limited experience is you know I think people would be just as excited, you know, to meet you in San Diego as, you know, meeting Rettles, right? I mean, people are just ecstatic, you know, take pictures, autographs, all that stuff. But, like, it's it's a almost a, a cool experience to see people get so excited to meet, you know, the broadcast talent as well as, you know, other prominent people in the scene. Yeah, and that's something I'll never get used to. It's the weirdest thing. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love it, but it's like, it, that's when... You know, you just start feeling like, what? Why? Like I'm not really <laughs> me. Okay, I, yeah, okay. I'm glad to, yeah, definitely. But me, really? Like, I remember sitting at Worlds, and funny, funny enough, Reddles was standing next to me, and I turned to him. I was like, dude, look at that line for you. And it, I know it wasn't, but it seemed like it was wrapping around the arena multiple times. Like you couldn't see the end of this line. I'm like, geez, this is crazy. And I had like four people in front of me, and then Reddles, he had something to do i don't know what it was so he had to leave so he didn't get to everyone in that line so i just stepped over kind of to my left and i was like all right well i'm no rettles but if you guys want to hang out i'm here and i think it was like half the people just left but yeah the other half were like all right i guess i'll talk to him yeah i mean everybody's got unique experiences and, and cool stories to bring to the table if especially um if you've been involved in the scene as long as as long as you have um, I saw it, like I did a little bit of research and saw through Liquipedia that the first kind of major event you were involved in was uh, the 2018 Worlds. Is that right? Uh, for like, yeah, for big RLCS. time event. Yeah, big time event was that. Um, prior to that, I had done uh, the promotional playoffs uh, for RLCS and, and Rival Series, and that was really special and cool because uh, we got to work well those of us that were selected, we got to work with some of the RLCS guys. So, you know, I got to cast with Findable Carpet 
um, wave punk. And that was, you know, one of those things where it's like, okay, I can barely even breathe because I'm sitting next to this guy. You want me to work with him? Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as, uh, I guess, uh, what, what would it be considered S tier events? Yeah. Uh, that was, that was the first one going to Las Vegas. And, uh, yeah, I got to work with, uh, stacks on that one. He, he was my co-commentator and super special moment for sure. Yeah, so we actually, I've actually been fortunate enough to interview Stax uh, on on oh, the show. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Funny, Karma said the same thing, <laughs> but uh, he he talked about that 2018 finals, like commentating there, and like you got to witness firsthand the that the the C9 dream run, you know, finally yep. taking down Dignitas. Um, so you know that's certainly a huge huge moment. Do you have uh, a favorite, you know, either like a favorite land memory that you have? Um, yeah, it's got to be the the winter major in LA last year. Getting to do interviewing for the first time, and I'd never done it other than on like online broadcasts where it was the whole desk. We each do a question, and it just went around. But outside of that, I'd never done interviews, and we needed to do live interviews. So during the group stages. Um, our boss at the time just kind of rotated us all through. And after I did it, he was like, Hey, um, so you're good at that. Do you want to keep doing it during this event? Like, yeah, sure. And getting to be up there with G2 after they won it with the confetti and the sparklers going and just being a part of that moment. It's so cool. I mean, I'll never be able to top that. I don't think it was just awesome to see J naps get to, you know, lift his first trophy. Uh, it was just so special. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an awesome one. I Is that, like, the, your favorite LAN memory, is that, would that be different than your favorite, like, RLCS memory? It's a good question. I don't know if I have a favorite RLCS memory. It, it's, there's been so many, and it's just too hard to, It'd be too hard to pick them out. It's kind of like picking a favorite kid. You know, they're all special for their own reason. I mean, there's so many big moments like uh, Team BDS getting into the RLCS and me and Stax talking about this team. Like, no, these guys are legit. Like, they're not, it's not just Rival Series. Like, you wait and see. And then they took the RLCS by storm. Like, moments like that where teams come in and, and just, Oh, it's an it's a rival series team that they don't matter. And then coming in and just dominating the scene, um, seeing the peeps dominate at DreamHack. I mean, that was amazing. Seeing Reddles get up on that table. I know it's not RLCS, but I, I kind of put it under the same banner. Uh, yeah, there's just there's way too many to even consider picking a favorite moment um, just out of RLCS. I mean, for myself, like I said, yeah, the winter major. Um, but ah, I can't pick one. It's too impossible. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been a lot of crazy moments. And, like, I mean, I feel like not enough people at the Worlds were talking about, you know, BDS and, you know, Extra in particular, right? It came come up from the Rival Series. And, you know, being a part of that Monaco team that went 0-12. And, and then less than two, like, less than two years later being world champion. Like, yeah. that It's a no, an awesome storyline, and... I, 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 you're right. I was kind of hoping that, you know, selfishly that you'd, you'd give a, an RLCS memory, but I totally get it. There's been it, so many incredible things that have happened. And 
a, such a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, if, if I had to pick a favorite, like, if I have to, and I, it's probably, like, the easiest answer ever, but seeing Garrett win the world championship, I mean, that moment will forever be etched in my brain with him, you know, like, that sheer joy. And, like, you could just see, like, the, the moment where it came across his face where it was like, I did it. I made a goal for myself, and I did it. And him breaking his glasses, it, like, that moment was something special. And I think everybody that's a fan of RLCS, that's, like, top five at least, because you're rooting for this guy. He's been around since day one, and you just want to see him succeed, and he finally does it. it it's really special. Yeah, no, that that's a fantastic one. I mean, I I certainly remember, you know, I, I wasn't watching RLCS back in season one. I think I tuned in maybe like season three or four, but, you know, that's up there. You get the, you know, the C9 beating Dignitas. I remember, you know, screaming at my, like even, even the year before, right, or the NRG Dignitas series, screaming at my, you know, at my computer screen when Justin scores and, you know, stuff like that. So there, there's so many incredible moments and memories. So thank you for, for sharing one. Of course. So the next question, and this is one that I, I am curious about for, for everybody because Stacks had, had an answer for it and, like, I can't even, like, begin to imagine what it would be like. But the crowd, right? So, how, like, how do different crowds factor into, like, your your commentary and analysis style? Or, you know, they how much do they play into the way that you, like, approach things? Um, You know, honestly, it doesn't. I try not to let that affect me at all. Because I don't want to go out... Um, for example, I, I did a dream hack back in 2019, I think it was. It was right before uh, COVID happened. It might have been 2020. I think it was dream hack 2020 Anaheim. Um, and there's, I don't know, 40 people in the audience watching Rocket League. And I'm going to approach that the same way as if I were picked to commentate the grand finals of a world championship. I never want people online that are watching to think oh something's different and then look at the crowd like oh well that's because there's only 10 people there that's uh boring sucks and turn it off i i just i'm i'm appreciative of the crowd and i love the crowds like worlds in texas was insane 14,000 people just it was absolutely nuts and i love that and i wish we were at a hundred thousand that'd be rad but at the same time like my approach I don't care if there's two people watching and I don't care if there's 200,000 people watching. I'm going to do the exact same thing that I do every single time. I'm just going to try and bring the same thing. And then have you, I, I mean, you've, you've casted like OCE, you've done, you know, a couple EU events. Have you gone in person to those regions or were those just online? I've, uh, I've been to London. I, I went to the spring major there. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, but as far as traveling goes, uh, that was my one and only time to Europe. Um, and I've been to Canada twice okay. for events. So does the, I mean, we, 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 we still have this whole, the, the NA versus EU kind of mentality for a lot of the people who, you know, a lot for some of the pros, Rettles included in this, but um, does a, quote-unquote hostile crowd uh kind of affect you at all i mean i know that 
it's a little bit different for for like casters but like especially if you're doing interviews for you know in na if you're doing an interview of an eu player maybe you're not going to get the same responses if you're interviewing an na player or you know like the best example i think of is like calm in london and how much yeah. people love to hate calm no that was awesome uh I, for us in the commentary booth i don't think it really plays too much into it um i know that you know european events especially like london was really important uh you know for cole stumpy uh shogun Gregan. like it was special for them like hey we get to have a, an event in our hometown um and that's super cool but i don't think it it affects us much um as much as the players um and i i mean i'm a big fan i've always been a big fan of traditional sports so you know i've seen the comments online of like oh we shouldn't boo the players we shouldn't do that i understand it for a, a small portion of it but at the same time like this is a competition like Root for the team you're going to root for. Boo the team you're going to boo for. But at the end of the day, like when Calm gets knocked out of the tournament, tip your cap to him. Applaud for him. That's what we're here for. Like, hey, yeah, he was the bad guy. He took that role upon himself. But you got to appreciate what he did. They made a cool run. They made it interesting. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, if you're coming into hostile territory, you better expect to be booed. That's a part of what this is. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I know that the the broadcast team in general they do a good job, especially on the desk, right? Because if you're in the if when you're in the venue, you hear the desk, and um, you know, they certainly know what the what the crowd's gonna cheer for if they want a response, right? right? Saying like at the worlds at worlds, it's saying something positive about you know a phase or a G two, um, but if you want a boo or you know a little bit of a mixed response, you talk about one of the other regions. So you know, I'm sure that that like plays into into consideration a little bit but it's cool to hear that it's not as much as you'd expect yeah and and if i'm up there interviewing a player and you know i've got a north american in europe or european in north america i'll generally know how well they'll be received you know like if i'm interviewing calm in europe i know the crowd's gonna boo so i'm not gonna come out and say hey let's hear it for calm because i know it's gonna bring boos unless he's kind of giving indicators that that's what he wants to hear then okay yeah then we'll lean into that but yeah i'm pretty good at reading the room i guess and kind of knowing like okay this player we're gonna get some cheers so i'm gonna ask the crowd hey let's give it up for this guy and get that place popping off but if i know it's gonna be a bunch of booze i yeah i don't want to purposely put that guy through that that's a good point and i've never really thought about that i you know for the most part i feel like all of the you know on stage interviews that I've I've seen in the broadcast been you know seen in person uh, have gone very well. Um, it seems like you know the questions are well formatted and you kind of like. Pardon me, sorry about that. Um, oh, you're good. That like, how do I want to say this? That the crowd has accepted the interview and like welcomed the player pretty well. Like, there's never like at least you know except for Calm when he's like you know, bring it on, like, let's hear it. Um, people generally do a good job of, you know, being accepting of whoever the interview is with. And I kind of thought that, you know, at first at first thought you think, oh, well, the fans, you know, kind of realize that it's just a, you know, it's one player. Like, but there's probably more onus on the, the interviewer and, you know, the staff for coming up with good questions and, like like you said, being able to read the room and understanding what questions are good to ask and what aren't. 
Yeah, I, I kind of take the mindset of if I'm doing interviews, uh, you're kind of like a maestro. You know, you're up there and the crowd's your orchestra. Like you can get them to do almost whatever you want in a way. Like if you want a big reaction, like you can get that. If you want them to kind of be quiet and listen and be serious for a moment, you can get that. You just have to know how to how to use those little wands that that maestro has. You know, you got to get them to hit that beat. Um, it, it's a it's definitely a skill, um, but it's more of just reading like that player and knowing kind of what their personality is. And it's also a little bit of knowing like where you're at and, and just combining those two. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome. And I, I need, I need to be giving you and the interviewers more credit for being able to, to do that as well as you do. Well, appreciate that. Yeah. I, I want to definitely interview more. It's something that I've grown a love for, uh, along with doing commentary. Uh, but yeah, I want to make it to where you want to tune in and see that post-match interview. Normally that's when people get up, grab the concessions, go to the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. But I want to make it to where people are like, Oh, hold up, hold up. Let's wait a minute or two. We've got some interviews going on. You know, I want people to learn something from the interview. I don't want to go up there and every single time go, Hey, you just won. Tell me how you feel. Like, okay. Yeah, we, we get it. We know how they feel. They're probably happy. Like that's not really that unique of a question. So I want to go up there with questions that are going to let the audience learn something and myself learn something. Like I'm asking questions where like, I'm genuinely curious. I want to know, like, I want to get inside this player's brain and learn how they tick. Like, why'd you do a certain thing? What's going on? Like we don't get behind the scenes. We don't get to pull that curtain back. And as an interviewer, that's what I want to do. I want to pull that curtain back to where people will go, Oh dang, that's behind there. That's really cool. So hopefully I have more opportunities in the future to do that. And, get to uh you know kind of have some of these players come out of their shell even more yeah and i mean you've been fortunate it, it seems to be able to have different roles throughout the rlcs broadcast you've done commentary you've done analysis you've done interviews do you do you have a favorite role that you get to perform or is it just you know it's all great i mean it it, it is all great um I love everything that I've done, but I also know like what my strong suits are. Um, I think color commentary is probably my favorite with a close second of interviewing. Um, and then desk is last, not because I don't like it. It's just for me, it's harder to let my personality out. Um, and I know guys like Stumpy, CJ, CJ, T Bates, Wave Punk, like those guys, Gibbs. I mean, they make that desk their own. Like that little portion of the desk they're sitting at, they've paid rent, and like I, I can't afford it up there. Like I love it, and I'll take it anytime I can. But it's just like I always feel so out of place. Like I just feel like that is the one spot where the imposter syndrome is real. I'm like, oh damn, I don't fit in. I don't belong. Um, something I definitely strive to get better at um but yeah being in the booth sitting next to anybody i mean everybody's great to work with but especially stacks like if him and i are on the call together i, I feel 
as comfortable as can be. Like, I know that him and I are going to crush it. So what would you say – you kind of bring up a good point, uh, another question for me. What do you think is the biggest difference between, you know, being, like, on the desk and, like, doing analysis versus doing, like, commentary or calling a game? Commentary is – right here right now and you're also you're building up storylines um at the same time which stacks is fantastic at i mean that guy's watched wrestling since he's been in the womb so he knows what storylines are all about so being up there with him and being able to kind of bounce like the storyline back and forth with one another but then also like okay the play just happened and i can tell you or i can try to tell you why it happened how it happened what happened like break all that down it's super simple because i just saw it whereas the desk it's a lot of memory hey remember back in 2018 this happened or hey the series yesterday that they played in in game three and for me the memory is not my strong suit like if you play the memory match game with the cards where you got to flip one then you're like uh where's the other one (laughs) yeah my five-year-old daughter can beat me at that stuff like my memory is not great i i try my best but that's the big difference is you've got to be able to like Remember past matchups, where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, how it's going to translate over to this team. And while I can do it, 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 I just don't feel like it's as smooth where in game, like I was saying, it's just it's right here right now. And I can remember that and I know why it's happening. And the desk is, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's scary. OK, so like doing like casting a game is more re- reactionary as, you know, where doing the analysis is like maybe more preparatory. Like you have to prepare. Exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, I still, I, and that's not, that's not to take anything away from like having to prepare for matches, like making sure you get names right. And like all of the notes and things that you guys take. Sure. I'm just talking about more of the uh, general approach. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm still going to prep for all my matches the same way. Um, But yeah, the desk ones, I think what's the, the hardest part is, you're on such a limited time. You know, you've got like maybe 10 minutes and, and that's not for just you. You've got to share that with four, uh, three or four other guys. So you might only get to talk for total like two minutes. So you've got to be able to get your points out clear, concise, have them make sense while also letting your personality shine because no one wants to listen to like black and white. Why are they going to win? Like, okay, yeah, anybody can do that, but you've also got to be unique and interesting about it. So that's the hardest part is like you don't have much time and you've got to break down something that should, I mean, honestly, like you could break down over 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I like I Chicago does like YouTube videos on breaking down matches and stuff. And, you know, he could talk for 45 minutes on a game. Yeah. And so like it's on, you know, really the, 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 the desk to get people hyped for the, the series that they're going to watch. Yeah. And, and that it, like in a series, you know, if I have all, I'll, I'll write down points that I want to bring up in the series, whether it's a team's defense, what makes them great offense midfield, what this player does well. And we could go all the way through three games and I haven't hit those yet, but I know like, okay, I have at least one more game. Like we're good. I can get this stuff in. Whereas yeah, the desk, it's like, damn, I took all these notes. I wanted to hit these bullet points. I didn't even hit one like that. Okay. That sucks. But yeah, when I'm on the, in the casting booth, like, I can sit there when Stax is talking or whatever, look down and like, oh, yeah, that's right. I wanted to hit this point and wait for the perfect moment, like a big goal to happen. And like, oh, look at this. This is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Let's transition into that. 
Yeah, and I feel like you you probably have like a little bit more control with being you know generally two people doing like the casting, and like where if you're on the desk, right? Like you got your points written out, and like the conversation could tail off in a different yeah. way that you like weren't expecting, and all of a sudden you know now your points are, you know, or for example like CJ you know hit one of your points, and you know all of a sudden the conversation's away, and you can't go back to the others. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know during those live events, it's Wave Punk on the desk, and he's leading the charge. He's taking us you know along the path of where we need to get to like ultimately we got to get into game and there's bullet points we need to hit and maybe the point i wanted to talk about would make absolutely no sense so it's like well that doesn't work and like you said yeah someone else might talk about the point i wanted to so then it's like well what else am i going to talk about and just thinking of things on the fly which that's not an issue a big deal because that's what the job's all about but trying to then make sense of something else that you might not have prepared for that's that's a whole nother beast oh and i'm sure it's probably a little bit aggravating you're like i had i did so much work and research yeah. that point dang it like i'm happy that you're making the point because it's a good point but damn i was really i really had yeah. this one yeah no there's definitely times where that happens but you know that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier where our team is great like we sit together and you know you might find something that is unique and really cool to talk about. And you're like, Ooh, my precious, I want that. But at the same time, we're a team. So I gl- I'll gladly share notes with people like, Hey, what'd you, uh, what do you got on this team? Like, Oh, I got this, this is, and if they use one of my points, that's awesome. Like it makes the whole broadcast better. Like that's the whole point of this. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've taken millions of things from stacks. He'll bring things up. I'm like, can I say that? Like, Oh yeah, I don't care. So it, it's what, yeah, it's what makes our crew special. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I, I I can't imagine having to 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 think on the fly like that and f- fill not like the dead space, right? But like, I mean, people are there to see the matches, right? But like, at least for me, I enjoy the analysis and the more like in depth stats that the desk brings and some of the like storylines right. and points that they have. But I mean, there are some people that are there just for just for the matches, like that. Yeah, that's what and- they're there to see, and they don't care about anything else. And that's where those fans, it's, that's where, you know, broadcasters and commentators make their money is that dead air. Like, you're not always going to have a match and things don't always go smoothly. You never know when you're going to have to sit there and fill dead air for two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. I mean, I remember back the first event I did in uh, Canada, uh, it was a North American Rocket League Invitational. And I remember sitting there with Jorby and we were casting and all of a sudden we hear, oh, we've got to take a little break. We got to take a pause. So him and I just started talking and 20 minutes later, we, they never told us to throw to break. So we can't, you know, you don't, you don't decide to throw to break. That's on production. Like they've got to be ready to be able to do that. Cause if you say, here we go to break and they're not ready, the camera's going to stay on and you're going to sit there picking your nose. So yeah, him and us sitting there for 20 minutes, filling dead air. And like you said, it's not an easy thing to do, but as long as you've done your prep work and you at least have some things to talk about, that's where you can fill it in. And that's where you're not going to lose those viewers that just care about the matches. Like they'll sit there and like, oh, okay, we're talking about like their shooting percentage. Like, yeah, it's something so basic and simple, but I can build something out of that. I could talk about it for five minutes. But yeah, that prep work comes in key when you have those dead air moments. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I... It wasn't until 
I started coaching like competitive like competitive Rocket League that I kind of started to get more into the advanced metrics and the stats and like you really it's a different appreciation for for the game for the broadcasting talent for the people that are able to convey you know those statistics and to bring storylines and commentary to you know the general public you know using those is a is a fantastic skill and I, I i cannot praise you guys enough for it oh appreciate that that means a lot yeah i, I don't have the, the the skills to to bring it you know from like I, I understand what the data means and i know how to use it to you know make a team better but i don't generally have the the ability to be able to convey it to a wider like group of people to like help them understand well, better and that's where again our team is amazing because there's i know there's times where i've brought up stuff and i might not have worded it in the best way and whoever i'm with will be able to expand on it break it down even further and then make it nice and smooth where i put it out there all wrinkled and they kind of like iron it out and it's like oh thank you for being here you know it's it's nice to have at least one other person to rely on when you're casting and that's what makes interviewing so terrifying is you're up there alone by yourself so if you mess up it's like uh oh no one's here to bail me out well i can agree with you on that one i i thankfully have started to get better asking questions and interviewing people through through this but at least in this if i mess up i can edit it out so <laughs> true i mean so far so good but yeah i mean yeah there's no pause button when you're up there on the stage it's yeah, it's a different type of terrifying i i can't even begin to to think about that so <laughs> power just gotta to smile through the pain oh i'm I, fine i bet every it's like the the meme like the kid on the bus when everything's on fire or everything's yep. fine yep i'm fine it's all good but uh yeah so moving away from uh analysis casting interviews i wanted to try and corner you into making a prediction for the for san diego Uh oh so what we generally do here on the show is we will do like one you know like prediction like on who you think who do you think might win and then like one hot take so for instance the the one that comes to mind for me is the the winter cup the eu winter cup my hot take was that team liquid make a grand final where you know oh, most okay. people weren't talking about you know something like a dark horse kind of prediction that you personally think would happen that you know maybe is not being talked about in the in the general public. Okay, okay. So which one do you want first? Whichever one you want to do first. Ooh, it's a tough one. This is uh going to be a really competitive major. I know they all are, but I feel like this one is going to be uh, sweaty through groups for sure um i feel like there's only one group that's a little weaker than the rest where i think you talking about the group of life the group of life uh (laughs) yeah who's your group of life let's see if we align oh um i think that it's uh group c yep yep okay we're on the same i and who do you have coming out on top of that so that's a tough one i think that like i think liquid's coming out on top okay we agree so actually if liquid will yeah come out on top but team secret's really good but yeah i think liquid's gonna come out unscathed on that one i think they'll be 3-0 for sure yeah i mean it it's certainly like the group the group draw has certainly made it extremely interesting right you look at group a like I, i 
personally think it's the way that we've seen them playing recently. I think it's FaZe's group to lose. Uh, yeah, but G1 has looked uh, nasty at times. Yeah, I mean, I think it's rather unfortunate for Crew to draw into this group. I think that uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, <laughs> for I mean, sure. hey, we've seen crazier things before, but, you know, we've seen G2 not show up uh, in key moments. But I, I think Crew, Crew out, FaZe take that group, maybe. Group B sucks. Oh, if you're in that group, I'm even if you're Carmine Corp, it's like that group. There, there's not one weak team. No, it's a meat grinder. I mean, yeah, with what we've seen from Vitality, yeah, they've been super low and obviously super high. But when they're at their highest, they're so dangerous. They can beat anybody in the world. And I mean, same thing with Dignitas. I've been a Dries fan since day one, since he was on G2. And when they kicked him, I was like. Like, what is this team doing? Obviously, it worked out for G2. Um, Atomic has been insane. But, yeah, Drees is something special. And I think he's got what it takes. He's got the land experience. And then, yeah, you look at Team Falcons. Obviously, we know what they can do and the deep runs that they can do. That group, I feel so bad for any team in that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be – it. that group is going to be the one to watch, I I think – because, like like you said, I mean, Vitality could show up in 3-0. Vitality could also, also show up and get 0-3'd. I think yep. it's the same thing for Falcons. I think it's, you know, Dignitas for me has always kind of been the NA team that, you know, while I like Drees, I like the way that they play, I think the pickup of Evo was fantastic for them. I think that they didn't so much as make the major as they just, like, defaulted to the major. Like, especially in the, in the, in the Invitational, like, I don't think that they performed sure. as well as they thought, and they kind of just, like, squeaked in. Yeah, I've got Carmine coming out on top in that one. So I've got, let's see, Group A. I mean, I think you I think you have to pick FaZe just based off of how well they've been playing and their consistency and what role Diz has done for them. Um, and then I think Crew gets knocked out. I would say Group B, got to put KC on top. And on, the team that gets booted is honestly a coin flip, a three-sided coin flip. I think all three of the potential to win this is such a dumb analysis like all three can win all three can lose but uh, i hate to say but i think dig is gonna be at the bottom of that one i think so too but i think this one could also be a tiebreaker scenario like one team moving on via you know game differential or goal differential like i think it could be close that wouldn't that would not surprise me in the slightest I, i could totally see that happening uh, group C, I'm going to put Team Liquid on top, and I think Gaming Gladiators are going to be at the bottom. Group D, another very interesting one. Um, I'm going to put Gen G on top, and oh, it's so tough. This is another tough one. I feel like all three of those teams are so evenly matched. Oh, boy. You know what? I'm going to put hate to uh, I think pioneers are going to get booted out of that one okay I hate to say it but yeah i am yeah, with the- i am in agreement with you on that one i think that pioneers came out the lesser after kicking super locky and ground zero picked them up i mean they they were barely able to win a regional in their own you know in, in their region after being you know kind of the undisputed number one i think that they decreased uh their their team success by kicking super locky I, I don't see them getting out yeah, I don't either. I think Complexity's been playing way too good 
lately. They seem to have figured it out. Um, CRR has been completely unlocked, and I I refuse to ever bet against Rise at a live event. Like that dude, he, like he said last year in London, he's just got that ice in his veins. I mean, he he's just an enigma, right? It's like he, he show up and they get swept by they, by KC, or they show up and sweep everybody. It, yeah, it's I think like, the, wait a minute. I think the big factor for that team is going to be Joria's because of the lack of success that he's had at live events um, back when he was on Dig. I think if they can get the first couple wins, it'll be really good for them. He, he needs that because the, the pressure that is on him right now to perform, um, I think, is a little understated at the moment. I would tend to agree with you on that one. And then kind of the last major storyline that I think people talk about from groups is, will Gaming Gladiators take any matches? Because, um, like, in the last event, um, yeah, no APAC team was able to take any any games at all. They went 0-9. They went straight out. I, I don't see them winning a series, but I do see them winning a game or two against Ground Zero. Yeah, I mean that that would certainly be a, a, a storyline because you know they have their their uh, their their pretty big rivalry with Elevate right now from from APAC, and you know their goal is to to do better than than Elevate. I know Marky loves <laughs> loves beating Elevate. He was talking about it on like Rizzo and CJ and Johnny's podcast. Yeah, unfortunately for um, the Gladiators, they face ground zero in round three so ground zero is going to be nice and warmed up after that playing team liquid and team secret i mean both of them are but i think that benefits ground zero more i i would agree with you as well and there is a potential possibility that that could be for the like deciding t- factor right like that that could determine who goes and who stays because I, yeah. I could see team secret and team liquid winning both of their matches you know before that and yep which quite frankly i think team secret team liquid is going to be a phenomenal match Oh, definitely. Especially if we see the the regional winning liquid team as opposed to the you know quarterfinal liquid team. Yeah, and yeah, the mechanics of that one are going to be insane. I mean, seeing like KV one go up against Oski, it's going to be super fun. Yeah, I mean, if I if I had to pick a favorite EU team, it's for me, it's Liquid. I, I their play style is so unique in my opinion where all three of their players are extremely mechanical but you know the team plays are still there their rotations are super clean and tight they you know are not necessarily solo playing to score as solo playing to outplay so their teammate can score yeah i don't have a favorite because i'm unbiased that's fair (laughs) makes sense uh going into this event if i had to pick one uh that i guess i would be kind of rooting for which i don't think i'm allowed to but whatever uh probably g1 i just i would love to see mark by eight find some success i know he's a technical world champ but and he's had a bunch of success with team bds but to find it on his own especially after team bds failing to make this event would be would be pretty cool and you gotta love the you gotta love the run through the the tiebreaker you know winning two series in, in their tiebreaker performing exactly you know what doing exactly what they needed to do when they needed to do it like when right. when all the pressure's on all the lights are on everyone's watching and you still do it that's that's clutch yeah it'll it'll be 
really cool to see them take that stage if they make it to the stage. Yeah, I hope they do. But uh, if you had to pick one team that you think that you know that you think is going to win the event, who who, who are you picking? I think this is going to be a shock because I usually I think I would side with Gen G or Phase, but I'm going to go with Carmine Corp. I just think with the way Vatira has been playing and they kind of got those uh, first land jitters out, I think they're going to be pretty hard team to stop uh, as long as they can keep their cool and not let their emotions run high. Um, I think they'll be fine, which is going to be hard for Vatira. He normally pops off on that stage. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, but if they can keep it all, you know, kind of calm, cool, collected, yeah, I think they're going to take it by storm. Okay. And then do you have a, a hot take? Hot take. Uh, Stax comes out for an announcement, trips over his feet, um, face plants, uh, and continues with his uh, team announcement. That's fantastic. No, um, <laughs> that, that, let's I, see. I owe you a lot of beers if that one came true. Let's see. Hot take. Would it even be possible for that to happen? Yeah, actually, it would. Uh, I'm going to say that we're going to see an all-EU final with uh, Carmine Corp and G1. That's a good one. I, I love the specific hot takes. I think that's what we're going to see with, with KC coming out on top. But I think, yeah, I'll say G1 in grand finals is my hot take. I could see that. Yeah, that G1 would... That would be an incredible result for them, and I think that uh, the EU fans would be quite pleased to see an all-EU final as well. 100%. But uh, that that's a really good one. May have to step mine up. What's yours? Um, I was going to say, um, so I, I think that Carmine Corp will win as well, but my hot take was that Team Liquid will win. I think that they will beat Carmine Corp in where was it where did i see in the semifinals no that's not right can they even play before the grand finals they, i technically they could i mean depending on how they place yeah they could get second no Wait, let's yeah see. they Group could see they, they could they'd be the semifinals if they played each other well i mean right let's see group d for second play they could technically still play if they both got second place in their groups yeah, but I was gonna I was gonna say it's team Team Liquid takes down Carmine Corp, um, and I think it's gonna be more emphatic than some people might like, like a a four one or a five uh, or a four two instead of a, a longer series. Yeah, I could see it happening. It's just yeah, what Team Liquid shows up because they have such a large gap between their floor and ceiling. Yeah, and also if it's land Carmine Corp or online Carmine Corp. Exactly. So, I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of uh, variance with all of this stuff, but it's it's always fun to, to make predictions, even even if I'm wildly incorrect most times. Yeah, it's always fun to play what if. Exactly. But uh, I got one more question for you, and this is this is our go-to last question. Um you can answer however you, you desire, whether you want it to be a, a real answer or, you know, a funnier one. But when is the best time to go boost over ball? The best time to go boost over ball. 
I mean, obviously, the, like the the real answer is when it's not going to put your team at a disadvantage. I've seen so many times where you see the last player back, and he knows that he's going to be one v one, and he goes for that big boost and leaves the net wide open. Like those are just brain dead moments. Uh dang. Can't think of a funny one. It's so hard to be like, "Hey, this, do it." When my brain's not firing on all cylinders, I need another cup of coffee. I would just, yeah, I'll I'll stick with my my real answer of when it's not gonna put your team at a disadvantage. That that's a good one. Yeah, stacks is was a hundred percent of the time. You need to have a hundred boosts so you can celebrate with the other team. That is a total stack. That it does not surprise me one bit. That is very. Very creative, and that's why he's really bad at Rocket League. <laughs> <laughs> that is I a always good bag one. on him, and I, I guarantee you, people think that you know there's some beef between us. When realistically, him and I are probably two of the closest guys on the broadcast team. It's pretty funny. I mean, you got to throw it out there a little bit. Well, that's what. Yeah, we're both older guys, and yeah, I mean that's how we show our affection is by making fun of each other. Eh, is it i'm for it that, that's what happens with me and my friends i get it but thank you so so much for for taking the time to to come and answer some questions and talk to me i am beyond excited that you agreed to do it and i can't thank you enough oh anytime yeah no if you ever want to do it again just let me know um talk about whatever doesn't even have to be rocket league you just let me know okay well um i take it you're going to be at uh san diego I will be at San Diego. It is uh, confirmed. I'll be driving down, so no flight for me. Yay! Oh and, man! Uh, yeah, we're bringing the wife with me. We'll be ready to have a good time. That's awesome. Well, hopefully, I will see you there. I will uh, be be bringing some some stickers and things like that. So hopefully, uh, I'll, I'll get to say hi. We can get a picture, and I will buy you that drink if you do if you do want one still. So <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have a glass of wine or something after. Uh, the day's over. Nice. Well, thank you again. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Boost Over Ball podcast. 